0: Welcome to the second episode of the Memories of Country Bees podcast and one that I'm really looking forward to today with uh, catching up with a a young man that joined the club back in the mid-90s but somebody that has been linked to the wonderful club of ours, the Country Bees, for a long time and that's Jakob Olsen. Jakob, how are you getting on? Thanks
1: Martin, well not too bad and um, very happy to be a part of this, you know, it's It it's Coventry means a lot to me, and so um, yeah, I'm proud to be involved and and chat about all days. So
0: thanks, thanks for that. No problem. Thanks for joining me, Jacob. And let's uh, let's kick off. When you was a, a young lad, uh, making plenty of trips around Europe, no doubt following your dad, and and making plenty of trips to, to Brandon. What are your sort of first memories and first sort of thoughts about about Brandon and, and the Coventry stadium? Yeah, well,
1: I, I guess, you know, it, it's it's a special situation for me because, like, um, as probably some know, that I was sort of uh, grown up in England un- until I was six years old. So uh, the whole uh, Coventry Stadium was, like, well, back memories, you know, when I was a little kid and, and probably can't remember everything from there. But, of course, there's been a lot of pictures and there's, like, tiny bits i could remember when i was a little kid so i would say actually the more memories is when i moved back to denmark in when i was about six seven years old in in 78 so had the memories coming over and seeing my dad racing at brandon and and that was sort of where it all kicked off um, with me sort of wanted to race myself you know and wanted to sort of be a world champion like my father was and uh so, so the memories with, with the whole place and the fans and sort of the, the atmosphere coming into to Brandon Stadium and being a part of that was sort of inside me from a kid, you know. And, and, and there was no doubt that this was the biggest dream for me to come true was to, to be a professional speedway rider and do that myself one day.
0: Uh, and when you when you thought of that and your your future plans, Jakob, was it always a case that you you wanted to make sure that at some point you, you rode for the bees? Was that something that you, you know, that was one of your goals in your in your speedway life?
1: Yeah, it was. It was. It was like, you know, if I look back in the days, you know, where I was in back in 1988, won the Danish Championship on on 80cc's, and this was when I was having the big. Battles with Brian Anderson, you know, him and me were like number one and two in Denmark in the junior years on 80ccs and 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 later on junior 500ccs and 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 um, then we had um, the world championship under 21 uh, when Brian won the championship in Coventry. You know, it was like he was a little bit ahead of me at at that time, and I had a illness with the food um, poisoning, you know, and it sort of helped me a little bit back for coming to England. And, and and it was like, I remember I had a contract from Peterborough to go into the second best division in England, which was, I think, Premier League at that time. Mm. And um, that looking back, you know, sports life, that would have been the best for me to, to do if I should have made a new decision today. But I just wanted to go to Coventry that was sort of the whole idea thing for me, you know, that I had to be a Coventry Bees rider. Yeah. And, and, and that was, I mean, that was the only thing I wanted to do. And, 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 and that was just sort of in my mindset. And, and of course the days there, uh, which I had in the club is sort of maybe the best years in my whole life. Um, but, but, Looking back, you know, like sports, um, I didn't achieve what I wanted to do. And, and, and that was sort of what I saw quite early days. And, and that was also why I stopped when I was only 23 years old racing. Yeah.
0: And obviously, when you made that decision to um, to come over and, and to ride for the Bees, you'd have no doubt been in, in contact with um, probably Martin back then, or was Charles still around in terms of the Ocultry family?
1: Yeah, it, uh, it was a little bit, but it was, of course, um, Martin that that we did the deal with, and it was quite, it was quite good, you know, because it, I I did it a, I did it myself, really, you know, where I did a deal with Martin, and I got a sort of a, a contract, which was a normal contract, not a better contract than other riders, and, and that sort of worked pretty good for me, you know. Um,
0: yeah, and and then when you came over, Jacob. I know that you were based sort of nearer Manchester um, at, at one point. Did you did you base yourself solely in Manchester from from the start, or, or did you sort of start off local? Uh, yeah, well, that was a,
1: the situation at that time was was that um, John Gore, which was like my my best friend in in, in early days when we lived in England. My my mum and dad lived in Holmes Chapel, and and I used to play with John. So, so this was like a, a good and a cheap opportunity for me to to go and live with John and his mum Teresa, and and that was a fantastic time. And also, I had my mechanic and good friend Lars Les. Uh He was with me, you know. So it was sort of a a nice way to be based in in sort of a what do you say place where you sort of knew everything and. Yeah. It was maybe a little bit too much comfort compared to what I needed to to get tough, you know, and, and learn
0: learn it the hard way. Yeah. No, that, that's that's interesting because obviously a few of the guys that come over they tend to sort of say how difficult it is to to learn the sport and to live on your own and that sort of stuff. But I guess having those home, home comforts as well would have helped you in in some of the the sort of tougher times when maybe points were tough to come by, and certainly when you picked up the odd injury.
1: Yeah, I think I mean, looking back on on that, you know, it was. Um, I, I would I would say uh, when people ask me, has it been hard to be like a kid of someone that's won everything, you know? And and I would I always say it's been like a fifty-fifty solution, you know. It's like being fifty percent good and fifty percent bad, yeah. and, and and overall it it comes to a zero. Um, but I would say like. Um, I I mean, I was struggling at times because I'm a tall guy, you know, and and, uh, maybe had a little bit too much weight compared to the other riders. And uh, I mean, I was quite tough on on the track, but a little bit soft mental in in my head at times, you know. And then uh, I only had one mindset, and that was to be world champion. And and when I could sort of see that wasn't going to work out for me, you know, I sort of pulled the trigger. And, um, and and with that saying also that um, you know it, when I came to England, um, I knew a lot of people and I knew the place and and I wasn't maybe hungry enough to to live the life where I was sort of um, didn't know what was going on, you know, I was prepared to what was happening. So I sort of, in my mindset, probably knew, what I was going into and I've maybe done it, you know, I had been there already and that was probably why I, I mean, I loved every second of it, but I maybe just had enough too, too quickly. Um, And, and, and that was sort of where maybe the will to get to the top wasn't strong enough at that
0: minute. Okay um but let's give you a let's put it a date stamp then Jakob so 20th of March 1993 yeah. and you line up for the first time wearing the the fighting b race jacket with a a decent crowd it was Bradford the visitors some big names on the track and you get introduced with uh, Hans Nilsson and Simon Wig two massive names in the sport um what do you have any memories of that opening night or is it or is it much of a blur Oh, yeah, I got
1: a lot of memories from that. First of all, you know, I had a, a Danish TV crew following me on the way on the plane, wow. staying stay um, in Holmes Chapel, you know, and, and making the film and everything, the update and following me to the track and we went to Reading. And it was like, you know, somehow just very, very funny and and a, and a great situation to be in. But I knew that I had to to show what I could do, you know, and, and it was like, it was, um, it was when, when I look back, you know, I didn't think about it that much at this time, you know, but like Hans Nilsson and my dad had a lot of trouble in the past, you know, and suddenly he was the captain of the team and Hans and I had never been close, you know, but to be honest, he was always pretty good to me, Hans, and uh, all respect for that. But I had people around the, the other riders, like Wiggy, was fantastic to me, you know? And for, for me, he was one of the best uh, riders ever in, in in Speedway, you know? He did so much and a fantastic personality he had. And then I, I don't forget, like, John Jorgensen. JJ was um, very, very good for me and probably the best mate for me, you know? Because he learned me a lot of things um, at, at that stage. But running back and, and going down to to the first meeting there, you know, and being a part of the Coventry Bees and putting on that race jacket and and just wanted to do good for the club and for the fans. That was sort of what I wanted to do. And I wanted to be a part of it, you know, not to sort of put me forward or achieve achieve and, and, and show my goals. It was just because the bees and the club and the whole situation, you know, I wanted it to be a party every day. Yeah. And when I'm saying being a party, I wanted to make the sport better. I wanted to make a show out of it. You know, that was sort of uh, don't make it boring. Let, let's get more people in and big crowds. And that was in my mindset all the time.
0: And, and you mentioned, obviously, you, you were racing against Brian on the ATCCs and that sort of stuff. Was there still that healthy rivalry with Brian, even though you were teammates? Was it still sort of trying to push each other on?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, Brian Brian and I have always sort of wanted to beat each other, which is quite normal, you know. But we also, we all, we always respected each other for what we could, you know. We were... But but he climbed away from me, you know. He just uh, he was better than I was when, when we came to England, and he sort of he was um, he, he he was a better rider, and he he wanted it more than I wanted, you know. And that's why he he came a bit further than I did. Uh, but the relationship was, I mean, we've never been like brothers, you know, and that close. But we've always had fun together, and and the day to day, I mean, we. Were, We can always chat away, and we get on very well with each other today. So, but we had something between us that made us better, and I think, actually, with me sort of in the way of for Brian at times made him stronger than it made me stronger. You know, Um, so so that was that was a good time, you know, and it was respectful also. from both parts.
0: So, so let's talk about the the weird and wonderful places, Jakob, that you had to visit when you was in the UK. So, you've already mentioned Reading. You know some of the tracks that you that you went to. Um, what are your memories of your, of those UK tracks? And and which would you say would your favourite to visit? And which would you say was the the one that you hated visiting? <laughs> well,
1: uh, as everyone knows that. I think I struggled, you know, when it was a racetrack and you had to go fast, you had to have fast equipment and you had to have that at Coventry at times, you know, and so I wasn't maybe the best one at home, but I was better when we went away on the smaller difficult tracks where you had to race tight and and turn in the corners, you know, like Eastbourne, uh, Reading uh, and I had a couple of good meetings in, in Cradley also and uh, I, I enjoyed to be at smaller tracks where you had to sort of use your elbows a little bit in the first corner and tiny, tiny tracks, you know, um, but I would say many good memories. And, and one of them was, um, I mean, when we went, went down to Rain Essex once where uh, Lars and I, we were we were driving down there, and 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 we smashed the car uh, just before the Dartford Tunnel, um, and and Andy Smith picked us up, and we had the bikes in in his van, and there was I remember uh, coming into that meeting, you know, it was like I was just crying and ready to go yes. home, and 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 um, we did that meeting, not scoring a lot of points, you know, but we got through it and and at the end of the day i just remember you know there were so many nice people's um fans from coventry coming up to me and and talking away you know they 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 let me feel good and and that was um i think that was basically what drove me a lot you know that there were so many nice people people around uh, the whole club and and everyone wanted you to to feel good and and it was just um makes you happy you know every time and and i always say (laughs) another funny thing was like every time when Lars and i were driving down in the car and we got to to the stadium and brandon and we were always there as one of the first ones because of the the traffic on the (laughs) m6 which probably is worse today that's not changed (laughs) yeah exactly so but when we're driving in you know we always had to last put always the music on in the car with the eye of the tiger, you know? (laughs) Uh, And it it was like, you know, we're there now and let's have a great meeting. And there was, um, yeah, so so many good memories. And um, I would say maybe uh, also a bit too many parties and and too many uh, hanging out in the bar after the meeting, you know? And um, one that, also another one that, I mean, put me maybe a little bit into the, to... um, um yeah, in the middle of the scene one night was when I I crashed, uh, well uh, I didn't crash, but I knocked uh, Gary Havelock off uh, at Coventry where he I remember Havelock was you know one of the best at the times and he had this nice race suit with the zebras yeah. on and um and I hit like the groove coming out of the corner and knocked him off so he was like bleeding down his leg, And uh, he was like really pissed (laughs) off with me. You know, he didn't really, he didn't want to talk to me at all. You know, It's really, really, and I understood what I mean. It was racing. I didn't want to make him harm or anything. But then after the meeting, uh, I was on the way out of the changing room. There was about 20 or 25 Bradford fans waiting for me. So (laughs) that was when I was really, really scared. I thought, well, what's going to happen now? And... um, End of the story, you know, it, it ended up with Sean Wilson actually went to these Bradford fans and said, you know, let him go. And uh, this was like, this was a a day I will never forget. I mean, I was scared like a little dog.
0: <laughs> and, and it always used to happen that there used to be, you know, plenty of times when a, a bees ride would get knocked off that, that the crowd would go around the pits. And I think that's what makes the sport of Speedway um so good for the for the fans and the paying public. The fact that you can get so close to to the idols of your sport.
1: Yeah, well, you, you know what? It's it's for me. You know, it's uh, sport today is is a show. And and I think you know we we don't have a lot of characters generally in in sport and speedway. In speedway, we need bigger characters also and and, um, this is something we have to work on and we have to tell the stories about these writers and what they do and what they can do but we have to make a a better show out of the product and um, this is I mean I always try to focus on that Uh, but of course you can't make a show and you can't make a sort of personality out of people if they don't win and and that was probably what I was struggling to do, you know, at the stage. Um, but I I wish at times that we had bigger profiles in the sport.
0: Yeah, I mean, you say you, you always try to, you know, enjoy it and make the most of it. You know, a couple of a couple of memories I have. I remember a, a meeting away at Cradley once, where the back straight always used to be full of Coventry fans, and there yeah. was always a a fantastic atmosphere at Cradley, and and we won a meeting there um and just out of nowhere all of a sudden uh Jacob Olsen comes running up the back straight and starts performing gambols on the back straight and winding the crowd up and and like you say you know the sport doesn't have many showmen anymore you know nikki pederson is still is still around and nikki is box office and would always you know make people talk but back in those days you know stuff like that people remember i mean it it was sort of 25 27 years yeah. ago and people still remember you running up the back straight and and winding the home fans off, it, it's something that it lives with people, doesn't it?
1: Well, definitely. And it, and it does, you know, like I I like ice hockey a lot, you know, and I think that's got a lot of similar compared to Speedway uh, with the whole atmosphere you have, you know, you have the, uh, the building up zone and you have the fights and you have all this and you got to have that in Speedway. I mean, it, it's a contact sport and uh, this is element, I think clubs are not good enough to talk together. They're not good enough to sort of tell the riders what to do. But it's also been, I mean, this sport has has come come into a little bit too much. It's a big rule book. You know, there's too many rules and there's too many this and that. Um, And and looking into that, you know, I mean, all respect for what's going on in Poland at the moment. There's a lot of money down there and they're doing a they're doing a really, really good job to look after their own league. And, and they're mm. lucky, you know, the big stadiums and all that they have. But I must also say that we have to wake up in, in Denmark and Sweden, England and the other countries because we have to come back. And I think we can come back, but we have to come back global now. We can't come back with sort of only one country. We have to work out something together. And... um because I think we have the, the best motor sport product in the whole world for, for even TV and also for fans to look at stadium sport.
0: And, and the, the TV side, Jack, have you got involved in that, didn't you, when you finished racing and, and spent quite a, quite a few years sort of in, in the sort of commentary position and that sort of thing in the back? In the back doors of the tv world and and that was something you enjoyed as well wasn't
1: it yeah it did it was like maybe a little bit the pipeline for me to get out of the the what do you say the the racing the professional part of it for me you know because i um i got a contract in 1995 with the danish tv that was when the grand prix series started and i started doing the commentary on that and Actually, that was when I found out that I could do something in the sport without racing. And uh, to be honest, it was like um, it was a combination of me being a little bit fed up with myself not winning. And then also that Richard Yule, which was my team manager in Wolverhampton at the past, uh, had a bad uh, accident in, in Oxford. And, um, you know, that was so bad that it did really it, uh, it took me a little bit you know and I, I got a little bit aware of the situation and a little bit scared and frightened from from it and I thought that's it I gotta stop here now um and and then the opening came with the commentary as you say and I started doing uh TV for all the Grand Prix series and and I did that for many years and I still do a little bit um so uh, yeah I enjoyed that and I think uh the whole tv is a part of the game and uh, the 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 tv rights is very important
0: for for the sport to to grow and and you mentioned the awful crash that that richard had i mean in your time with the bees you only you only really had what what we would normally class as sort of a minor injury i mean for anybody that's just working in an office breaking your collarbone is not a minor injury but mm-hmm. for a speedway rider um you know a collarbone injury here and there is not unusual and you know you had a couple of hand injuries but you you did get away relatively free from any any sort of major crashes but i guess the the injuries to richard made you sit up and and just think you don't want to go down that route and and potentially affect something later in life yeah
1: i think it was it was because i came quite close to it and um richard and i were very different and still are but uh, and we weren't very close uh, you, I mean a lot maybe think when you're two Danes on the same team you're very close but we weren't but we uh, we of course uh spoke a lot together when we we're racing then suddenly you you're standing there injured and and you see see one of your mates running into the to the fence and and you run out to him you know and you can just see he's uh, he's not good and when we got into the hospital you know uh, I remember him I mean he he nearly lost it you know and um yeah. that was a tough time, but I got his mum from denmark over and 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 I had a close uh, talk with mandy his his wife at that that time and you know everything just got quite tough and um um yeah it was just um I, it's not why I stopped but it was a part of it that's that's no yeah. no, no doubt but saying that you know the injuries so also that i i when I made the move from Coventry to Wolverhampton was sort of that was probably probably a lot. no, and can remember that that, that year was when the Premier League and the elite League was put together as one big league. so yeah. so it made a change for all riders where to go. And uh, I was really, really fit at that time, and I had a I went to Australia in the series five hundred and rode there in the wintertime, I was ready for a big season. So come back to England and we moved down. I rented a house in rugby um, and uh, we were ready to go. Lars and I were there and my, my girlfriend was was with me. And then, then I had this crash in, in the semifinals for the Danish championship where I, I, um, I broke my hand. And then they made the um, operation on it, actually three or four operations, and they failed that. So all the nerves never got back to work. And I still have problems with that today. And I have a big plate in my hand, which is, um, it's my, my left hand is stiff now and it's been for 10 years. Um, because the last, well, years of my end of my, my career, I had a lot of pain. And, um, so I've had a lot of surgeries on it, but today it's, it's completely stiff and I don't have any pain. So it works good for me. I don't have any problems today, but, um, but the hand did, also, yeah, didn't do it good for my career.
0: And, and I guess that's what a lot of the a lot of fans don't realise that whilst you're riding and, and whilst you're on the track, and we support you all the way through, once your career finishes, you you then have to deal with the the additional pains and and tribulations of, of injuries that you've suffered throughout your career.
1: Yeah, and no, I think I'm quite lucky, as you said. You know, <laughs> I mean, I knocked myself a couple of times, but. Uh... I've always been quite lucky, uh, so. Uh, but uh, but I think you know it's it's t- today it's quite tough also, and uh, if I look back also at the memory lane, you know that at the time when I was racing the w- racing there wasn't air fence, you know when you hit the thing yeah. it was just wood, and uh, yeah. so uh, t- today you know it's 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 different, but they take a lot of knocks and they may be also a little bit faster, and. I would also say the race lines today are tougher. You know, they they chase each other harder in the corners at, at times. So uh,
0: the racing is tough today, definitely. So you, you, we we get to nineteen ninety five, Jakob, and you you've left the bees. You've sort of moved on to, to Wolverhampton again, another another team that's you know linked with the the Olsen name historically. Um, when, when did you know you wasn't going to return to Brandon? Was it something that was a surprise or, or did you know early on that you were going to be moving elsewhere? Um,
1: I think I think the decision for me to move wasn't to get away from Coventry. and I, I would always be a B, you know? I would always be a Coventry B. Uh, I mean, I, I had a good time in Wolverhampton. I had a good relationship to Pete Adams, which was very good to me, you know? And I, I would say, yeah. like... I probably was better in that team um, with uh, Sam Malenko and Peter Carlson and sort of the whole, um, what do you say, uh, solution and the atmosphere there was better than it was when I was in the bees. Um, yeah. So, so I was probably better. But I, I mean, I, I will always be a Coventry rider. Uh, that's where <laughs> my heart is. But I think the step for me was like I moved in with the league getting together as one big league. I was like a heat leader and um, it was sort of new eyes. It was a new place and it was I, I lost a bit of weight during the winter and I was fit. You know, it was like I had a platform which I was ready to sort of move on. Um, and then the injury came in the, in the spring, you know, and that was sort of it. So I didn't race that much. Um, but it was, um, I'm actually happy. I never thought about that, but I'm actually happy that I tried to go somewhere else than Coventry, you know, um, yeah. to try it out. And a lot of people say to me, well, haven't you rode since you stopped? And I haven't, I mean, I stopped wow. when I was tw- 23 and I've never ever felt
0: like having to run again, ever. Wow. That that's that's amazing because obviously most people, including your dad, have been tempted back at certain points to do demonstrations and that sort of stuff. And uh, maybe that maybe that's something you yeah, could we keep in the back burner for for if we ever get Brandon back open again. That maybe you could uh, don some of your leathers and, and put a helmet back on. How about that? Yeah,
1: well, I'll do that. That's for sure. If if Coventry Peace can get anything out of that, I'll definitely do. I'm not going to say I'm going to go flat out, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. That's for sure.
0: And what's your what's your thoughts, Jacob, on the on the sad state? I mean, you'll have seen pictures, um, you'll have no doubt read stories about Brandon, and yeah. it, it's it's a shame the way it's gone. It is a big shame, you know, and it hurts me
1: a lot. Um, but I also think, you know, we have to be realistic about life, and um, when you're not clever enough business wise, or things come in between, we have to move on. Um, And I have so much respect for you guys that's keeping it alive. Um, And hopefully, you know, hopefully that it can come back one day and hopefully we can do something um, to put it back. Uh, And and I'll I'll definitely be a part of that if if someone needs me to to do anything, you know, but it's... Memories are good, but also, as I normally say, you know, when you're driving along in your car, there's... um, a, the front screen is bigger than the than the mirror in looking backwards and um you got to look forward all the time you you can't keep on looking backwards uh, memories can be good but it can also hurt a lot um so um i don't know it's um it it's very very sad to see what the everything's falling apart you know it's um it, it definitely does hurt me when i see it
0: and Jakob, let, let's finish off with with current day then for yourself. So you, you've you've uh, you've been on the bike, you, you've you've walked the walk, you've talked the talk, but you're now in charge at Voyans and and a completely different sort of outlook on the sport. And, and like you've mentioned already a couple of times, you know you're you're very much looking forward to to promoting when things can, if they do, get back to some kind of normality soon.
1: Yeah, I mean. Um... The, the career stopped and I moved into sort of, if I should take it from there, into the bicycle business. And uh, I was working there for Finn, which was my, my partner. Um, after that, you know, he had Sukla which he started back in 1998. It's actually, my dad's cousin. And, and Finn and I got sort of, he was sponsoring me when I rode. And then when I came back to Denmark, I worked for him a little bit. And uh, but I wasn't finished with Speedway at that uh, point, you know, and that was where I was doing the commentary uh, part time when I was working for him in the, in the push bike shop. And um, then um, I got in and I was assistant team manager for Eric Gunderson, and then I took over after Eric as the, the team manager for Denmark in I think around 99 or 2000, and that was. Uh, a very interesting part of my life where I was working with Nikki and Hans Andersen, Bjarne Pedersen and Kenneth Bier and Everson and the boys we all know today. And I mean, at yeah. that stage, they were nothing, you know, and I could sort of put in a lot of things to their head which I have learned and what I did wrong and what I did good and and um, try to achieve. You know, I had two two goals at that stage. That was one, to make it so popular to be a part of the danish national team mm-hmm. and two to make a world champion a danish world champion fast as ever and uh, i had to pick two riders so i made a goal for myself to pick two riders i wanted to work very very hard with and that was hans anderson and nikki Pedersen. and I, I put everything down to paper with them and made goals and sponsor things and everything you know and and then it, it, it worked out. Nikki won the World Championship in 2003. And yeah. um, from there on, I had one more year. And, and the biggest disappointment for me was, of course, I never won the World Team Cup. Uh, that was won the year after I stopped as team manager. And uh, I remember they won, I think it was in in Reading. Uh, I think it was where they won. And uh, I was on a holiday in, in Italy. And I, I remember me, I just sat there crying, you know. <laughs> I felt sorry for myself I wasn't there <laughs> but of course I was happy for the boys so uh, yeah and uh, then after that and then I start in 2005 I I came into the bike business um, and did a partnership with Finn in Design Sugar and at that time uh, I, we opened the, our shop number four and then um, actually two years ago now I sold out and we ended up having eight shops and uh, Two websites, and uh, that was um, fourteen years of, of my my life in in the bike business and and my business, um, which I love so much, mm-hmm. where I was still involved in the sport, uh, the speedway sport. But I thought the chance was in now, and and Ollie is sort of also on his birthday, running out of time, and and the whole Loins <laughs> thing, you know, is. Uh, The stadium was falling a little bit apart at times and the Grand Prix was moved away to Horsens. And yeah, if it should be now and we should make this generation shift, um, the time was in. And I bought things from Ollie down here and I made the agreement with the community of Hattersleaf to take over uh, Voyn Speedway Centre. And um, thank God for that in... The first year, uh, 2019, uh, we had an amazing year, you know, and the Grand Prix mm-hmm. coming back to Boynton and all the people involved out here. And I got Helio frimod Pedersen as my second hand, you know, here, and he's still here. It's been it, it's been fantastic, but also uh, we we we're still here, you know. But this two thousand and two uh, COVID nineteen, you know, it's been very very tough for. Economy and and the mental thing also, so uh, there's a bit to work on.
0: So so what are the what are the plans, Jakob, for 2021? If if the green light gets given, I, I know there's been mm. talk of the, the Danish league being slightly reduced, etc. But do you think there's a a real opportunity that in Denmark, in particular, that you'll get some kind of action this year?
1: Yeah, I mean there there, there will be, and the calendar has come out also for 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 the Danish league, and it, it's sort of put into sort of a half season now and, and like with a cup final mid, midways in, in the season. So we're going to have like uh, four home meetings and, and three away. And then there will be like a, a cup uh, event during the summertime uh, summertime before the holidays. And uh, so, so we're, we're happy for that. And, and we got the Danish championship in June again uh, and then we have, of course, the Grand Prix, the, yep. uh, the 11th of September, 9/11. So that's quite interesting in <laughs> itself. Uh, thank God Trump's on the way out. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so all looking into that, you know, we, I'm 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 quite satisfied, and I can see the light at, at the end of the tunnel. And and we got a lot of plans, we got a lot of ideas, but we bumped d- back, you know, a couple of. Of years after this, because I, I did hire a girl, a very smart girl, to work with the whole stadium and and bring in new events into the stadium, which was not Speedway, but different kind of events, and um, I had to get rid of her because of the economy, you know. So, hopefully, we can build that up and and get the stadium bussing again, and then it was it it will be good, but it's going to take some time, you know, and. We put a lot of effort into the club, the the social club like Voyn Speedway Club. When I took over two years ago, and is the chairman of that club now. We were only about thirty eight members, and now we we're over one hundred and fifty uh, members. Okay. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean nothing comes from doing nothing, you know. We just got to keep on working with it and keep on staying in focus and. Uh, it's um, it's good and then of course we have the boys around the team now uh, here in boys in the super league and Anders thompson and i have nikolai clint and a couple of the young boys uh, so and i i'm enjoying every second of that you know because it's uh, we got to, we we're trying to build up the profiles um, and and make their mindset right, right to, to become world champions
0: well, Jakob, I think from what you've said in, in, you know, the last sort of forty minutes I've been chatting to you, uh, I'm sure that with the work ethic that you've you've built up over the years and with your your history within the sport and the, and the business arena, that if anybody's going to make a success of it, mate, it's going to be yourself. Um, we wish you all the very best for, for this year and hope that you can get some normality back to the stadium. It's a stadium I've been to many times and it's a it's a stadium that I'll definitely come and visit again. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. The memories that you've brought back uh, that, that some people are going to listen to, um, it'll make them smile I'm sure um, and, and I just want to thank you for your time and, uh, and good luck with everything else. And, and hopefully we'll bump into each other at, at a track at some point.
1: Well, thank you very much Martin and, and uh, hello to everyone out there. You know, uh, Take care and you're all more than welcome here in Boynton. Maybe one day you can make a little Coventry Beast corner when you come over for the Grand Prix or Something
0: like that. We'll do um, that probably on the second bend. On yeah, the second yeah. Bend, you, normally,
1: you're but. more than welcome. You're more than welcome. So we'll no take worries. care.
0: Thanks, Jacob. Thanks for your time, mate. Take yeah. care. Thank you. Bye bye.